and welcome to Horror Court Trash Ever, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash to pieces of genre cinema. I'm Chris. I'm Gary. Why did you sound uh, surprised that you were going to say trash to pieces? I don't. Well, I, I, I'd like to. <laughs> Episode you know, 223. It up a little so bit. Shit, is that what we're doing? Like, you know, the word tells me it's not a real word, so I can do uh, well, with it whatever the hell I like. Uh, start word. <laughs> is it not? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, okay. Today, we're back again with another Nasty November episode where we look at all the films that kept that old bitch Mary Whitehouse up at night <laughs> way back in the 1980s. As always, we are joined by a special guest, and this week we're here with a horror fan, a trash cinema aficionado, with a Blu-ray collection that even we're jealous of. His hilarious series of TikToks reviewing the video nasties make him a perfect guest for Nasty November. It's Ben Simpson. Hello. Hello Hi. Hi. That was? Honestly, <laughs> I'm hyped up now. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Are we going to do any more? You got any more to say? It's only the truth. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, good. Good. Nice to see you. So you've, um, when Gary suggested we have uh some special guests on for nasty november you were the first name that i thought of love your tiktoks very funny incredibly cute dog which always helps yes <laughs> i was gonna say the dog is in the other room but it won't really benefit the listeners for me to bring him in um, <laughs> it would benefit because me. he will just cry all the way through the whole thing oh, no. <laughs> no, oh. so just a few questions before we start to introduce you to our listeners, um, although we thoroughly recommend following you on TikTok. Thank you. Uh, what's your history with the video nasties and, and why have you chosen to make your way through them? Do you know, I, I read that question and it's been quite hard for me to pinpoint. I mean, I can sort of remember my first exposure to them because my dad is into exactly the same films as I'm into now. Um, and he had quite a big collection of horror films on VHS and they were all, they were kept in the like airing cupboard in my childhood bedroom and I remember looking through them as a really young kid and sort of seeing all the front covers and being really intrigued by them and particularly if you've ever seen the poster for the film Madman um, yes it's not, it's not on the nasties list but that one was on the top of the stack and it used to scare the shit out of me when I was a kid um but he had absolutely loads of them on VHS and I remember him sitting me down to watch zombie flesh eaters um on the Vipco VHS I think it was like this extreme gore widescreen edition or something um, I feel like that was my first exposure to it. And then as I sort of grew up and started getting into Blu-rays, I figured if I wanted to learn about exploitation cinema, a good place to start would be the video nasties. Because as much as the list was made to sort of deter people, I feel like it's had the opposite effect. And films that otherwise would have been forgotten have now sort of been completely immortalised. Um, which, I mean, it's, it's a good thing. But I remember, obviously looking up the list and then just going through them literally alphabetically and then I went onto YouTube to rank them and it's sort of my love of it has gone from there really cool cool very similar it's very similar to, you, to yeah yeah I mean even right down to Madman and Zombie Flesh Eaters uh, I remember Madman was amongst some of the first horror films I ever watched and it yeah. was terrifying I mean it was kind of amusing when we did it for the podcast and we look back at like how goofy Madman Mars looks now and like mm-hmm. you, when you remember it as a kid, it's like, oh, don't remember him uh, looking like that. And yeah, yeah and Zombie Fleshy is amongst my first of the video nasties as well. And yeah. do you feel watching the video nasties and these uh, horror films, you've been more violent 
<laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Like, we are the living sort of proof that the entire video nasty scandal was a load of horse shit. Absolutely. Like, if, if they were right, we would have been on numerous killing sprees at this point. That's true. That's true. Did you there's hide always, the body? There's always time. There's always time, you know. know there's always, yeah. always yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, does your, has your dog had any reactions to the video nasties? Because that was one of the things said in the interviews that I always love coming back to, was that one of the uh, one of the Tory MPs was like, we even noticed a strange reaction in dogs. Yes. Uh, like, really? It was Graham Bright, wasn't it? Was that his name? Yeah. Yes. yes. It doesn't just affect children; it affects dogs as well. Well, <laughs> I, I've not, I've not noticed any particular effect. If I put, if I put a film on and it's particularly grisly, he'll always cozy up next to me. So maybe he does enjoy it. <laughs> um. So of all the video nasties you've seen so far, and have you seen all of them? I've seen all of the seventy-two lists, and I've seen all of the seventy-three. Nice. Wow, that's that's impressive. commitment. That, that's commitment. Yeah, that's where we want to get to. <laughs> so of all that you will come <laughs> yeah. on section three is beyond belief. <laughs> well, that does lead on to this question. So of all the ones that you've seen, um, which do you believe to be the best overall? Which would you recommend, and which is the worst? Right. So I'll be honest. I can't remember how because on YouTube I did a, a series ranking them. I can't remember how I ranked them, but I remember the Evil Dead was top, which is kind of a boring answer because I feel like most people put Evil Dead at the top. Um, so I'm giving as the best a particular shout out to Dead and Buried. Nice. That's nice. next week's film. That's next yeah. week's film. It's it's weird because I literally watched it yesterday because it's the next film I'm doing on my video nasties review, and I remember. The first time I sat down to watch it, being really impressed by it. And then, do you know when you enjoy a film, but then go to rewatch it and you think, ah, I hope my expectations aren't too high, and then you end up not enjoying it. Well, I've, I watched it yesterday and it stands up just as well. It's a really, really great film. Um, but also, I like pretty much any of the Italian entries as well. I'm a sucker for Italian horror. Yeah. So like, Fulci's entries, House by the Cemetery, Zombie Flesh Eaters, all that stuff. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, Dead and Buried. We're really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm very relieved you said that because, again, same thing for me. I watched it when I was younger and I remember enjoying it, but um, I was kind of like, okay, how am I remembering this right? Is it as good as I remember? So I'm, I'm glad you said it's good. So I'm, I'm oh, excited to cover that. Fantastic film. And it's got um, Jack Albertson, who played Grandpa Joe in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate yes. Factory, in a really, really evil role, which was yeah. like, sort of contrast to how everybody knows him. <laughs> Although that was quite an evil role in uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> well, it's quite a sinister film, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And, to be fair, that's a film I used to be quite scared of because of that fucking tunnel scene. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. honestly believe that that has probably had some influence on me because I remember watching that as a kid and thinking, what the hell is this? Some gateway horror there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And which do you think is the worst? What a what a horrible question. That's what, tough. What we've seen all seventy two, Chris. Come yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> there's got to be some. If we well, were we're gonna make our way through it, which would you say? Don't bother. I've got a couple of answers for this because the film that immediately came to mind is one off the section three list, which I'll I'll mention first, and then I've got a couple of others from the actual seventy two nasties. Um, not only is this the worst of any video nasties, it's the worst film I've ever seen. Like, with no exception. And it's the film on the Section 3 list called Wrong Way. 
Um, I'm gonna. Are you planning on doing the section three titles as well? Yeah, I'm. I'm planning on throwing those in for next year's choices. Well, I'm gonna just. I've got. I, uh, Do you want to come back for wrong way? <laughs> Should we announce it now? It. <laughs> just let you watch it and then. Oh, do you know what? When you do wrong way, I might want to be part of that because I want to listen to your <laughs> opinions on it. It's just fucking. It's it's abhorrently bad. I'm going to leave it there. Um, <laughs> as far as the actual seventy-two list goes, I mean, I think I rated the Devil Hunter by Jess Franco is pretty low, but I recently rewatched it and kind of appreciated it a bit more. Um, Cannibal Terror is very much bottom of the barrel on the seventy-two list. Um, but then there's all this is a controversial one because this is the one I ranked at the absolute bottom was the Paul Nashi film, The Werewolf and the Yeti. Now, Paul Nashi, obviously, people really like him, and that's a film that people seem to have sort of a, a decent amount of respect for. I just thought it was a fucking drag all the way through. Um, so yeah, have you done either of those yet? Cannibal Terror or The Werewolf and the Yeti? Funny story, not with either of those two, we haven't done either of those yet, but. Mm. We haven't done Devil Hunter, and I actually didn't include it on the list of films to send round because I feel like there's not enough to discuss with it. Like all I, when we watched it, all we remember is just uh, the bad guy with ping pong balls for eyes and just close-ups of vaginas for like the whole film. That's Jess Franco. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, t- I tell you what, if you want, I, w- I will. <laughs> If you need someone to talk about Devil Hunter, I will try my best to fill out 90 minutes at some point, uh, if you want. I, I kind of feel like we've just formed an episode. We need to do Wrong yeah. Way, yeah. Devil Hunter, Cannibal Terror, and The Whale from the Yeti. Just, like, I put them all in one we episode. we might have to bring <laughs> some in all together, because one thing that we haven't included on the list, and we won't, is the Nazi exploitation films. Mm. Because we sit here hour, hour and a half, some, sometimes a lot longer, discussing films in depth. And there's only so many ways you could say, yeah, the Nazis are really bad, weren't they? <laughs> really, really, That's... you know, it's kind of, how much can you really get yeah. from these films for a whole episode? That's it. I mean, it's just, the Nazi exploitation films were basically people going, right, we want to show women getting tortured, who is like a generic bad guy we can pick. Mm-hmm. And everyone hates Nazis, so they just kind of went with that. But the... um. I'm trying to think. I don't even think I own it. Oh, no, I do. The Beast in Heat, because I was going to do that for one of my Nazis reviews, and I purposefully skipped it, because I thought that is one way to get my TikTok account completely taken out. <laughs> the violence in itself is being like, pretty close to what their guidelines are. I thought, if I had Nazis in as well, no one's ever going to see me again. So I'm, I'm <laughs> intentionally leaving those ones out, not only because they're bad, but because they're just really horrible films. <laughs> Which Nazi was it? SS Experiment Camp we watched, and it was just like oh my god, it was dire. It was so boring. It was. It's one of those things, and and I say it all the time on the podcast and and in real life, and to anyone who'll listen, there's a lot I can forgive with films. Being boring is not one of them. The biggest insult I could give any film is that it bored me, and I thought that was just dire. It was so boring. It was so long. It was oh painful. I I I I hated all of them, but. I think SS Experiment Camp was my favourite of the Nazi exploitation films. Well, if that's the best, then we, we're not watching <laughs> the rest of the There's Love Camp 7, which has got a bit of a link to the film that we're doing today. Um, Beast in Heat, just because it's weird, is like mildly entertaining. And then there's Gestapo's Last Orgy. That was the one that's yeah. still banned in the... They, they tried to get it a Blu-ray release last year and they were just like, no. Yeah, we no. did. We watched the trailer for that yesterday. I'm intrigued. 
with that one. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it has now been released on Blu-ray. Has in in the UK in the by eighty eight films, which is a British company. But I don't uh. know what. I don't know if it's a cut version. I don't know what the deal is. But yeah, it's, um. it does now have a Blu-ray release. Oh, okay. Wikipedia lied to me. Yeah. Who knew that? Reliable sources. I'm not totally... I don't want to make this a Nazi exploitation uh, episode. Um, but I don't... I, the one that sticks out to me, you didn't like as much as I did, Salon Kitty. Now, that wasn't a video nasty. But I quite liked that one. I honestly can't tell you a thing about that film. No, I can't okay. remember a thing about okay. it. I've never seen it. I, I it was... Um, is that Jess Franco as well? Salon Kitty. Yeah, I feel like it is. Yeah, yeah, that was that was quite good. It was somewhere between cabaret and the cheapy Nazi exploitation films. Somewhere in between, mm. it was quite good. Um, but yeah, enough about Nazis now. <laughs> <laughs> Not a sentence I we'll use. Put that, we'll put that to bed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, lastly, what made you choose Blood Feast for today's episode? Um. This is kind of a boring answer, to be honest, but because I've done a documentary on Herschel Gordon-Lewis, I feel like it's the film that I'd probably have the most to talk about. Um, because as as the list goes, it really ranks towards the bottom. It's not a film I'm particularly keen on. But I just... The whole Herschel Gordon-Lewis splatter cycle is something that I found really interesting, and I figured, since it was on the list, and it's kind of one of the more infamous films on the list, that kind of drew me towards picking it. But that that would be my reason. That's also like incredibly cool that you made a documentary on Herschel Gordon-Lewis, by the way. Yeah. Very impressive. Is, is that available for us to it's, watch? It's on YouTube. It's on my YouTube channel. I've done a couple of them. Um, there's one on Norman J. Warren, which I'm really pleased with. And I did, nice. another, I did another one on Andy Milligan, um, who is, do you know, Andy Milligan is a man who, because I read his biography um, when I was on holiday thinking it would be just interesting. It is one of the most downbeat books I've ever read in my life. <laughs> and I, I was surrounded by all these holidaymakers in Cyprus, glorious sunshine, reading about this absolute psychopath. Um, and yeah, I, this, the Severin box set of his films just totally drew me in. And now he's, for better or worse, someone I actually really quite enjoy watching, Andy Milligan. So you'll be the right person to tell us then whether next, uh, whether this month's original versus remake is a good choice. We're doing the ghastly ones and Legacy of Blood. Um, I mean, neither of them are good. I, I'm going <laughs> to say that from the on. I would... Uh, Legacy of Blood had a couple of different cuts because there was a TV cut called Legacy of Horror, which I think cut out a lot of the violence and added in like six minutes of talking, which in a... Andy Milligan's films are basically just the violent bit of the fun bit and then there's just a load of talking in between so to add talking and take out violence I'm assuming would just make it worse um but yeah Legacy of Blood in its original form is probably the goriest Lewis Lewis probably the goriest that Milligan ever got nice. um <clears throat> but it's just it's a it's a pretty much an exact remake like you say and neither of them are great I'd probably pick the ghastly ones just because it's the original but yeah, it's yeah. It's, that's it's, the one we've seen, isn't it? We've yeah, seen, we're making our yeah. way. We we have the Severin box set, and we've been making our way through um, the films. And uh, obviously, this original versus remake is those two. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, can I just just a quick aside? So, my partner has a, a son who is fourteen, right? And he's he's not. He is a horror fan, but he kind of he'll watch whatever's on the TV. <clears throat> so I feel like. 
a lot of the times when I put something on, he just kind of tolerates it. Um, obviously, I'm careful with what I show him, nothing too grisly. But I thought, you know what? One night, I'm going to show this 14-year-old boy an Andy Milligan film. <laughs> and I, I, <coughs> I chose The Rat to Come in The Werewolves Are Here because that is one of the most boring Milligan films. It's like 90 minutes of talking with about 30 seconds of werewolf at the end. <laughs> and I, I said to him, I said, look, I'm going to put this on just to show you how bad some of the films I have are. Just tell me to turn it off when you're bored. I was expecting him to get like five minutes into it. He watched the full thing. <laughs> he watched the full thing. And then because he was staying, us the, staying with us the next night as well, he was like, oh, that's another opportunity for you to get your, your Andy Milligan box out. And the next time, <laughs> watch The Man With Two Heads all the way through as well. That's so amazing. Like I'm creating a monster. <laughs> yeah, you, you are setting up the next generation perfectly. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. We, we need as many people as possible to have an appreciation of trashy cinema, so that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> he loves it. Are we ready to talk about Let's talk Blood about the film. from yes. 1963, yeah. a film that Stephen King uh, has claimed to be the worst film he's ever seen. Lucky Stephen King. Mm. Yeah, he has a lot of opinions. I feel he does like have a lot of opinions. I quote him a lot on the podcast. It's either the best thing he's seen or the worst thing he's <laughs> seen. Um, yeah, I haven't seen his version of The Shining. I mean, he, I have. Yeah, he's in no... Do we trust no... his opinion? <laughs> He also made Maximum Overdrive, so... Okay. okay. But he, he's, he's wrote a lot of classics. His version of The Shining is the one with the bushes that come alive. That's the one. That's the yeah. one. I haven't seen it, but I'm led to believe it's um, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Blood Feast, directed by Herschel Gordon-Lewis, the director of The Wizard of Gore, 2000 Maniacs, Sister for Kill Ya, Blast Off Girls... How to Make a Doll, The Gorgo Girls, She Devil on Wheels, Just for the Hell of It, and so many more. Uh, with the so Herschel Gordon Lewis, obviously this is the first ever splatter film ever made. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's yeah. Uh, with the nudie film trend dying down. He decided that he needed to come up with a new kind of film that the new major studios wouldn't try to do, and uh, here we are. Yeah, yeah. So it's the oldest film on the uh, the list, isn't it? The Video Nasties list. Yeah. So it, if we can give it any credit, it's the first of its kind. So, you know, props to uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis. Wait, do do we? <laughs> at the whole episode, the point of the whole episode is to get to this decision. But I'm going to ask right off the bat now. Okay. Do we think this is a good film? No. <laughs> no. Okay, no. good. I'm glad no. we're on the same level. No. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Yeah. Written by uh, Louise Down. I was very surprised this was written by a woman. I, I was very surprised. But you know what? Go for a girl. You know, you've, you've wrote a great, uh, not so great. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I always support <laughs> women's opportunities to make crap. You know, <laughs> just give the opportunity. Can I just interject with something there? Yeah. So Louise Down is crediting credited in quite a lot of Lewis movies. Um, I think she makes an appearance in Blood Feast in like a bit part. I don't know who ah. she is. Um, but she, at least with Blood Feast, but it might be other films of his as well, was given writing credit, even though she didn't write it, she just typed it. Oh, for fuck's sake. I am oh. really, really sorry to spoil this feminist. Oh, no. I believe that is the case, that she literally just typed it up and they were like, right, we need to give her credit for something, so we'll just put her down as, like, screenplay or writer or whatever it was. 
Oh, what a disappointment that is. That's so Thanks, Louise. Cancelled. <laughs> Episode cancelled. But she did, she did contribute to a lot of his movies. I know that. I think it's just this one where she was maybe sidelined a little bit. Yeah, so she was giving credit on The Gruesome Twosome, The Girl, The Body, and The Pill. She Devil on Wheels, The Alley Tramp, Just for the Hell of It, and Linda and Abilene. Mm. I, I've seen some of those aren't. Uh, maybe. She, she has a very big filmography. She Devils on Wheels, I think I randomly watched. Um, I'm showing my age here. There was a TV channel <laughs> called Movies for Men back in the day on but, cable. Back in the 50s. But... <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a 50s TV channel. It, it, yeah, well, it was Movies for Men, and it was usually like repeats of um, Soldier, Soldier, but they would have random movies on, and it was She Devils on Wheels, and it was... I think it is Herschel Gordon-Lewis, but it, it was very yes, yeah. much like a Russ Myers film. I remember it being quite good, actually. It should, it'd be I good really to... like She Devils on Wheels. Really? Yeah, I, it, apparently it's his second most profitable film, next to Blood Feast. Nice. Apparently. Uh, it's based on a story, Blood Feast is based on a story by David F. Friedman, uh, who did She Freak. That's a, a classic. Oh. That was boring. (laughs) That's on on my Blu-ray wish list as well. It's just been released on Blu-ray. Is it it still deserves a Blu-ray release? I like it. Not for the right reasons. I think it's a trash the piece. I mean, especially... Who's the actress who's in it? Um, Barbara Steele? Um, Barbara Steele Steele in it? I I believe it's Barbara Steele. No, 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 no. no. Hang on. Let's IMDB. Barbara Steele wasn't in Chief. You're thinking. Oh, no. This is the one at the carnival. This is the boring. Yeah, no, I've lied. I've lied to you. I've done a Louise down and I've lied. You know. Yeah. She Freak is the really boring carnival one. It's like a 12, but there's like porn on the extras. That seems to have slipped through. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the AGFA one. Um, Did we still have that? We got rid of that, didn't we? We did get rid was, of it, yeah. Yeah, was, I, I hated it. Terrible. I thought it was so boring. Uh, the Barbara Steele one was... Do you, do you remember which one that was? Uh, was it the... The She Beast. The She Beast. The She Beast, where it's just Barbara Steele, just Beast, like in full day. wolf makeup, just going... Aah! Like the whole film, it's fantastic. <laughs> I'm down for that. That's Michael Reeves, isn't it? It is Michael Reeves. Michael she Reeves. Freak is not entertaining. She Freak's not boring. the girl. She's not the woman. Um, but yeah, David F. Friedman wrote that. Uh, he also wrote A Smell of Honey, A Swallow of Brine. Wow. Da- there She Blows. My autobiography. <laughs> there She Blows. <laughs> Starlet, Brand of Shame, The Sex Capades of Don Diego, and more. And of course, uh, based on a story by Herschel Gordon-Lewis as well. Both of them are uncredited, but... You know, Louise Down and a typewriter got all the credit. There you go. <laughs> she got her flowers <laughs> prematurely then, clearly. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, David F. Friedman came up with some great marketing uh, for Blood Feast. He gave away vomit bags reading, you may need this when you see Blood Feast, and obtained an injunction against the film in Sarasota, Florida, which, of course, generated more interest in the film. Yeah, I love that old school William Castle style of um, yeah. Uh, what's it called? Marketing. I do. I do like that. A lot of films have had 
vomit bags as part of their promotion, haven't yeah. they? Do you think this might be the... I suppose it's the first... First Blatterfilm. I think it's warranted. Yeah, this is probably the first to do it. Yeah. It was David yeah. Friedman... David Friedman's wife saw the film before it got released and she said it was vomitous and that was what gave him the idea. <laughs> nice. He, nice. He literally <laughs> bought a load of aeroplane vomit bags and printed them with Blood Feast on them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the one that I always remember for having a bath bag was Mark of the Devil. Because that was, I don't know who distributed that, but they were like quite famous for doing the the Friedman style William Castle showmanship advertising. And they, I think they said it was like Mark of the Devil was the first film written V for Violence or something like that. And that had a bath bag as well. But yeah, I think this was the first to do that was Blood Feast. Which ones do you... Uh, we, we had one at Fright Fest called The Ranger and uh, there was bath bags ready for it. We prepared for this really extreme film. It was so fucking tame. They weren't necessary, <laughs> to be honest. I think, obviously, Pink Flamingos. Yeah. Cannibal Fear Rocks, I remember. A, was it a Shameless DVD? Had a bath yeah, yeah, bag that, in it. That has a bath bag in it. Yeah. Does anyone know the budget to the film? <clears throat> it was around $24,500, from my understanding. It is. It is. Yeah. I, I was gonna. I was gonna make. Oh, was that a quiz? <laughs> oh, oh, well done, well done, Ben. You won. Um, Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was filmed in Miami in only nine days and cost just under twenty five thousand. Yeah, roughly twenty four and a half thousand. Yeah. Uh, and I can do you, believe that. Do you know how much it made worldwide? Um, a lot. Four million fucking dollars. I don't believe that. I know it's questionable, isn't it? It's. Because it, it, the thing, most of the sources about this film come from Lewis and Friedman, who were notorious. Like one works in advertising, and the other one is like a a carny showman. So I, a lot of the stuff that gets talked about this film, I feel like is really over exaggerated. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel like it did well, but four million seems a real push. Yeah, it does. It does seem like a bit much. I mean, I think it would have been it would have been a talking point, and it definitely would have made money. But four million. Yes. Yeah. If it's the first splatter film, I can imagine there's a lot of people who would want to go see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But then a hell of a lot of people who would want to be a nowhere near the fucking <laughs> film. It you got know, no. when it got released. The, the yeah. Review. It wasn't like it was revered or anything. Like people fucking hated it. It was just because it was something new. I think. Shall we find out who's in it? Oh, yes. In the section we like to call, hey, I know you. Do you think we know anyone in yeah. the film? Well, actually, do you know what we do? Uh, William Kerwin as Detective Pete Thornton, credited as Thomas Wood for some reason. Um, right. Okay. Uh, he was in 2000 Maniacs. He was also in Sometimes Art Martha Does Dreadful Things. Uh, he was in Sting of Death, Absence of Malice, Sweet Bird of Aquarius... The Hook Generation and more. I believe he was yeah. credited. I think it was he might have been a union actor, which is why he used a fake name. Ah, uh, okay. He he used Thomas Wood for non-sexploitation films. And if if you look at the early kind of Lewis nudie cuties that he was in, he goes under the name Thomas Sweetwood, which I think is quite a nice. Uh, that's yeah. That's. Uh... <laughs> That's a porn star name. That is yeah. definitely. <laughs> Even though they were the furthest thing from porn you could imagine. Like, they were yeah. the soft and the soft car. Uh, do we enjoy uh, Thomas Wood's, William Cohen's performance? Uh, wood by name, wood by nature, very wooden. Oh, that uh, was. 
That was very... How long did it take you to think of that? Literally just on the spot. Wow, so, wow, yeah, wow, I haven't wow, even got wow. it written down. Not evidence. The receipts, receipts totally off the top of my head. Um, I, I enjoyed how rapidly he aged throughout an hour and seven minutes. <laughs> I, I don't know why. He looks older in every scene. <laughs> Especially well, when he's next to Connie Mason, who's like... Yes! Oh, God. <laughs> but you would, though. I mean, he is completely inept at finding this serial killer. The body's, uh, you know, lined, you know, stacking up everywhere. He's having a terrible time. Of course he's aging terribly. Yeah. Um, I think, well, I, I, not to spoil the ending of this film, but, you know, obviously it's kind of a happy ending because the, you know, the, the killer is killed. But the... The police had absolutely nothing to do with it. The only reason no. didn't get slaughtered is because her mum got impatient and walked in on her daughter getting sacrificed. And then as soon as he's out the door, as soon as Puad Ramesses leaves, that's when Thomas Sweetwood walks in. He's like, oh, my God. So the, he's not the hero of the film yeah. at all. Police force in this film, I have a lot to say about it. Last week, it was... Um, Night of the Bloody Apes, and it was the medical professionals that were alarming. This, this week is the police. It's definitely yes. the police in this North, one. The authority figures. <laughs> um, Mal Arnold plays Fuad Ramses. Yeah. And uh, speaking of aging rapidly, I, they forced him to... How old was this guy when when the film was made? Because it looked like they purposely... Yeah, he was 30, made... I believe, I read. Oh, wow. He, was, he yeah. wasn't very old. If you look at the... I think the film they did before this was Scum of the Earth. And that, yes. that's him in it. In, like with no makeup on and he's not old he's in maybe his 30s at, at latest like it's there's no way they, I think they just grease painted his head and made him yeah. look as old as they possibly could with a lot of grey spray paint yeah he, he was in Scum of the Earth uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears Bears spout B-A-R-E-S oh saucy <laughs> nice uh, Vampire Cop Adam <clears throat> Adam lost his apple Oh, and no. Nature's Playmates. Quite a short career. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very. Don't know why. But it sounds. Don't know why. <laughs> what, can I, what, what's this guy's name again? Uh, it's Mal Arnold. Mal Arnold. Because I did a video when I first got the Herschel Gordon Lewis box set. There was I mentioned his name, but I said his name wrong. I, I said Mal Evans, and I'm thinking. I know that name from somewhere, Mal Evans. And I realised I just watched the Beatles documentary Get Back on Disney Plus, and he's one of the Beatles producers. So I made a video that implied that one of the producers of fucking Beatles records was in a Herschel Gordon Lewis. <laughs> I'm waiting for someone to pick me up on it, and no one has. So do you know what? I'll I'll say it now. I made a mistake. I mean, I would love to go on believing that personally. So. so would I. <laughs> yeah. what a uh, <laughs> That would be the best crossover. Probably not the weirdest fact about the Beatles either. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, Connie Mason oh, is... Oh, Connie Mason. I read about her in Playboy. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah, I read about her in Playboy. Good old Connie Mason. Big big Playboy fan? Yeah, a huge Playboy fan. Me. No, I'm just a huge Connie Mason fan. Just, oh, okay. Yeah, big Connie Mason fan. Yes, the poster does not let you forget that Connie Mason is from Playboy. You read about her. <laughs> she keeps it all on in the film, though. She and does. Then, you know, I feel that's a bit of false advertising. False she was, advertising from Dave Friedman, are you joking? <laughs> <laughs> she was a playmate, wasn't she? She was yeah. Uh, yeah. a playmate of Sunland. Yeah, she plays Suzette Fremont. Um, 
She was in Diamonds Are Forever, 2000 Ooh, Maniacs. Oh, that's fancy. I don't think it was a big part. Oh. Uh, Not just Tan- in this fucking film. Yeah. <laughs> Tangiers, uh, My First Love, Starsky and Hutch, Sudden Death, Rolling Man, Made for Each Other, My Third Wife George, and more. She looks like Cheryl Hines from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay. And I just thought I'd put that out there. Thanks. Um, as a big Connie Mason fan, I do have a little quote from oh. uh, Herschel Gordon-Lewis about her. Uh, he's, he said, uh, she never knew a line, not ever. <laughs> I often felt if one took the key out of Connie's back, she'd simply stand in place. <laughs> and I believe that. I believe that. That's brilliant. Wow. It's... I think I think she was Playmate of the Month in June of 1963 because there was an article in that issue that talked about her appearing in Blood Feast. Um, and I think one of the people who worked with her was the, the lass who gets her tongue ripped out. I think she oh. was it as well. And the only reason she got into the film was because she was able to fit a second tongue in her mouth. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. A lot, I've got to be honest, right? Are you aware of a YouTuber called Dr. Sparkle After Dark? No. no. He he makes incredibly, shout out to him, incredibly in-depth videos about the nasties, and he's done an hour-long video on Blood Feast. Um, so I, I, I will give him a lot of credit for the information I'm coming up with, but I, from what I understand, um, she was literally given the part because she had a fucking huge mouth. Well, that's that, the woman who gets her tongue ripped out, not Connie Mason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's more skill than... A lot of the cast. Well, I mean, if you can't I mean, act, you might as well have a big mouth. Well, <laughs> that sounded well, rude, actually. Yeah, that's that's very rude. Yeah, I'm sure there are yeah. feelings were hurt. Um, yeah. So, Trudy, <laughs> who we uh, just mentioned, Christy Filshi as Trudy Sanders. That is the one who gets the tongue ripped out, isn't it? No, no. The one who got her tongue ripped out is some random woman who I think was gonna. Shag a sailor, but then he was like, oh, "No thanks." The sailor, yeah. the sailor in the film is Dave Friedman. Oh wow! Oh, wow! And, and the voice on the radio that you hear doing the announcements is Herschel Gordon Lewis. Nice. I'm uh, sorry, I, I'm, I'm looking at my phone because I'm trying to find out this woman's name with a massive mouth. <laughs> I'll know it's, it when I it. It's Christy Fulshi. Yeah, Trudy gets a tongue ripped out. Yeah, yeah. No, Trudy's um, the Trudy's no. the one who's in the day. Yeah, she gets murdered in the day. Oh, of course Astrid, she does. Astrid of course Olsen. she does. Astrid Olsen, that's her name. Thank Astrid you. Olsen. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, no. I was getting my uh, my victims mixed up. Who's... Oh, my God. Who has the big mouth? Oh, my God. I hear... She's always on the internet. Holly Jervis. Holly Jervis. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's familiar. But she she could have played her in the remake. She, she could have. <clears throat> have um, just off, off topic. No, not seen the remake. No, no. Is it worth it? I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. The closest oh, no. thing I've seen to a remake is Mardi Gras Massacre. Okay. okay. Have you, have you, that is on the nasties list. Have you seen that one? No. No, that's the one that wasn't there meant to be a release. Yeah, 88, 88 films. films. Canceled and it. then they cancelled. Cancelled, yeah. Um, Which was an absolute tragedy to film collectors everywhere because that is... I, I, it's just a really funny film. It's like yeah. about, about the same quality. It doesn't add anything to the Blood Feast thing. It doesn't it doesn't claim to be a remake, but it is. It's the same story done in the same way. Um the gore effects are quite grisly, but other than that, it's just so amateurish and it's very funny because of it. 
Yeah, that, that is one that's higher for my watch list. I do want to see that one. Uh, yeah, Christy Foshi, she was in Scum of the Earth, mm. Passion Holiday, Ooh. Girls Come Too. Bet they do. It's hot, <laughs> it's hot on Sin Island. I, I've heard. Calendar Pinup Girls, Ooh. Nudes on Tiger Reef, Ooh. Honeymoon of Horror, mm. Bow Bear and Beautiful, and more. Wow. I mean, what, what a filmography. Hang on, Honeymoon of Horror, what's that? I'm not sure, I just know she was in it. Sorry, IMDb is going to be open on my phone. <laughs> You're mentioning all these films, I've got no idea. Honeymoon of Horror. Honeymoon of Horror. 1960, oh, 1964. I'm thinking of Honeymoon Horror from 1982. Oh, okay. Not Hatchet. Hatchet for it? Honeymoon? Hatchet for Honeymoon. That's a Mario Barber one, isn't Barber, yeah. Yeah, I like that film. Good music. Honeymoon films. Am I alright to mention a couple of people who work behind Go the Go for it. Yeah. Again, again, this comes from the Dr. Sparkle videos, but it's too interesting not to bring up. So again, credit to him. So one of the film's editors called Robert Sinise uh, went on to work on Miami Vice. And uh, he also, I uh, believe he edited Of Mice and Men, the, the film with John Malkovich in it. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. So, you know, from Small Acorns and all that. And then <clears throat> the camera operator called Andy Romanoff went on to work on Friday the 13th Part 3. Uh, he also did the Talking Heads film uh, Stop Making Sense. Wow. And he also was the camera operator on The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas with Dolly Parton, which was accidentally at one point picked up as a potential video nasty because of its title. And then they realised it was a really inane musical. Now, that is a career. And also, that is my favourite right? <laughs> fact about uh, Video Nasties, is that Best Little Whorehouse in Texas nearly became one. <laughs> well, there was loads of them, wasn't it? Apocalypse Now nearly became one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's some that are on there that we would agree probably shouldn't have been on there. Like Most um, of them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean in terms of their criteria, like, mm. did you even watch the film? Like, The Witch That Came From The Sea, um, Possession, I would be like, what, what's Possession on there for? You know? I'm absolutely convinced that most of the time they just picked it based on the artwork. Yeah, yeah. Because if you look at something like um, Chant of Jimmy Blacksmith, which is on the Section 3 list, and it's the VHS cover has got an axe on it, because there, there is an axe murder in the film. But it's it's an incredibly touching and sort of upsetting story of, um, like, a, a native Australian guy. That's It's a drama, and it was picked up because it had an axe on the front. It's got no... Oh, wow. Aside from one very, very brief, maybe two-second-long murder in the middle of a two-hour film, there's nothing in it that would suggest it, it belongs alongside the likes of the Evil Dead and all that stuff. But they picked it up because of the poster on the front of the box. Yeah, the whole situation as a whole with video analysis, and I'm, I'm sure we've said this every episode now, it's just completely ridiculous. Like, yeah. the fact that these uh, Tory MPs were trying to tell grown adults what they can or can't watch because of what it might do to them. It's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and it's also, it's cherry picking as well. So there were studio films at the time that were just as bloody, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Why yeah. wasn't Friday the 13th part four on that, you mm. know? Or part yeah. three, part two, you know? Why weren't those films? Oh, wait, because many, you know, many talks. Yeah, yeah. That's a, it's some glaring omissions. Considering some of the weird stuff that made it onto the list. It's like Frozen Scream. 
Is that is that a film you've done yet? Oh, I, why do I recognise that name? Is it also known? Is it is that the one with um, with the jet skis? Not jet skis. Um, Confused. Which one am I thinking of? One Aaron. Released. You're no, yeah, yeah. You're thinking. Oh my god, I'm thinking of a different. Film. Absolutely. Are you thinking of Chill Factor? Chill Factor. That's the one. Oh my god. Oh my god. Frozen Scream was made by a woman called Renee Harmon, who was also in. I think the. Oh my god! Yes, I love Renee Harmon. Don't even get me fucking started seen, on her. Have you seen Jungle Trap? Yes, yes I I'm worship Renee Harmon. I laughing through the entirety of Jungle Trap. We did an episode on uh, Lady Street Fighter. Yeah. We yeah. fucking stan Renee Harmon. She is. That's frozen. She screen. is the female Tommy Wiseau. And She's amazing. I am a Renee Harmon defender. I will tell anyone to watch Lady Street Fighter. I absolutely adore her. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you'd, like Frozen Scream, which even at the time will have been a, a barely known obscurity, got picked up. And then you've got, like, you know, Halloween, which was a hugely successful film. That was as much as it's bloodless. It's just as violent as a lot of the films on the list. That got nowhere near any of it. Yeah, mm. it's just like you say. It's total cherry picking. Yeah, yeah. Well, before I uh, start talking Sorry, about yeah, Renee Harmon, before I start talking <laughs> about Renee Harmon again, Nazis and Renee Harmon. It's good. All our episodes are tangent. <laughs> it's time for our feature presentation, ladies and gentlemen. There is a movie being shown in this area that we would sincerely like to warn you about. The title, The Blood Scene. This is, without exception, the bloodiest, goriest, most sadistic motion picture ever produced. If you're at least bit squeamish, do not attempt to see this one. We have told you about many horror movies that you probably got a kick out of, but this one is different. If you are at all impressionable, don't see it. If you have an impressionable teenager, under no circumstances, let them see it. Absolutely no children will be admitted. There'll be nurses on duty, not as an advertising gimmick, but because they will be needed. We are sincere in warning you about this movie. Its title again is The Blood Feast, and it is honestly the most gruesome motion picture ever produced. See it if you must. But we wanted you to know what to expect. Uh, a woman comes home to a Miami Beach apartment and hears of a recent murder in Rogers Park. Uh, her melodramatic reaction is fantastic. It, it is the equivalent of, oh, gasp. It is gasp. gasp. <laughs> I love it. It just it sets the film up perfectly because there yeah. is no subtlety or nuance in any of this <laughs> film. It's literally she walks home. And they're like, they're straight away, they're like, right, the audience needs to know what's going on. So she switches the radio on conveniently, just as this broadcast starts, then switches it off immediately as soon as it's finished. Like, she doesn't want to hear the details. She just wants to hear, killer on the loose, wooden reaction, turn the radio off. Like, that. there's <laughs> nothing, there's no extraneous stuff in this film at all. Like, the, no. the only stuff in it is stuff that's absolutely bare bones, relevant to the plot. It doesn't fuck about, I'll give it that. Yeah, it's only an hour and ten minutes. Not well. even that, it's an hour and seven. Yeah. Yeah? Well, it, it, it feels... I, a lot longer than that. Yeah. <laughs> but I appreciate a film that gets to the point, you know, when yeah. it needs to. It's refreshing. Yeah. So the, the radio warns all women to stay inside their homes after dark. She is then murdered in her own in home. Her own and you can see the light shining through her blinds. So it's daytime. So 
this advice that the radio is giving hasn't really helped it's leading out. people to their death yeah <laughs> pretty much but the radio does say to lock your door and i don't think she did she probably, uh, well, no she probably didn't stupid bitch <laughs> she, she's uh murdered whilst taking a bath the killer stares at some of her flesh on a knife and we just see him hacking away for far too long from behind i mean it's, it's quite the angle isn't it Yes. Yeah. It's it's yeah. It's not the most flattering for anyone involved. That the, the thing, that poor actor. <laughs> the thing that stands out in that murder scene as well, and I think it's the same with a couple of them, is there's no sound. Like there's yeah, just music. Yeah. So he's you see him hacking away, but you don't hear any of the impact. So it just it feels so sort of I don't know, just forced and surreal and weird. Yeah. With, with the music in the background, this sort of weird Hammond organ timpani drum beat thing that they've got I, yeah i was gonna say do we, do we the like soundtrack. the soundtrack i love the soundtrack and it would work really well in another film because i like how minimalist it is i i, I like <clears throat> that um i think it works and i would listen to it and if, i'm sure there's a special edition vinyl for like twelve thousand pounds or something i've got there. the record oh nice. well nice. not it's not I, I think there might be an lp but in the arrow box set there's a seven inch single that has all of the music on it oh nice um, which incidentally was all written and recorded by herschel gordon lewis and he went on to say it was one of the hardest things he ever did was writing and recording the music for blood feast oh okay because apparently yeah. he had he had a little bit of musical knowledge which i mean fair enough the track that's just a drum kind of beating every second <laughs> is maybe a little bit you know it's not really showing off his talents but there are certain moments in it where i think the music works quite well mm. there's a there's a bit of music in it and I, I can't remember particularly what scene it's in but the it's like got really low piano notes on it and it reminds me of the music to when a stranger calls if you've ever seen that it's quite yeah. sinister music. Yeah. um and there's a bit with a violin as well but apparently he played it all so you know props to him again he's just picked up another Added another string to his bow. Chris, what did the music remind you of? The drum beat one. <clears throat> Legs, hips, and body. <laughs> <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> um, can we talk about the how the killer looks just for a second? Because we've had a little bit of a theme this month. <clears throat> like in the Evil Dead, there was a oh sh- wigs. a shot. No, not wigs. Oh, not wigs. I think it's its own hair powdered grey. Potentially. Um, potentially. He has a monobrow, or the beginnings of a monobrow. <laughs> and it's something that we pointed out from The Evil Dead, that Bruce Campbell had the beginnings of a monobrow. He did. He also very clearly has two inches of foundation all over his face. He did. Which is something we pointed that out. Is a theme. That is a theme. During Night of the Bloody yeah. Apes, that yeah. one of the characters had a lot of foundation yeah. on. So I just thought that was a nice, nasty Great note. Observation. Thank Great observation. Great observation. Most of the budget went on Mal Arnold's makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, yeah, before leaving the Callahan, the culturally insensitive. Would we? I don't know. Do you think that's what they're going uh, for? I didn't. I... Is he supposed to be Egyptian? Yes, yes. Egyptian. Yeah, so it, I think that I think it is a, a, of its time in that sense. Um, yeah, yeah. To be fair, I've never really thought of it like that. I just thought it was to try and make him look old. Um, like, the, the grey hair and the makeup. Mm. I never really picked up that he was. No, the, the makeup was maybe trying to point towards him being Egyptian. But yeah, now that you mention it, it's very um, touchy ground. I don't think it's Yeah. Good. No, no. And, and the plot itself is very um, 
of its time as well. Yeah. It's it's insensitive, let's be honest, because mm. mm. the one foreign person in town is the mass yeah. murderer. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's quite refreshing that they didn't go to him straight away. I mean... They... I know, yeah, it would, it would have been a <laughs> yeah. film even shorter if they'd been like, right, let's get this foreign man in for no reason. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you've got bodies in the back of your shop. Let's arrest you. Then. Yeah. The reason they didn't go to him straight away is because the cops are fucking idiots and that guy acts like a murderer the entire film. He acts so suspicious the entire time and no one goes to him. Uh, Before leaving, the killer hacks off her leg above the knee with a machete and bags it. A copy of the book titled Ancient Weird Religious Rites is seen near the body. Wonder if that would be useful later. Mm, Plot. (laughs) Question. Yeah. Um, he's collecting different body parts from women. Is it ever explained why all these body parts have to be from different women? The feast. I don't okay. think. I don't think it's ever explained. I think it's because no. it would be a boring film. Worse film if it was only <laughs> yeah. one murderer. Yeah. He was just hacking up this one woman for the rest of the time. <laughs> I it's not like a Japanese film that is just that. Is it? Oh, those guinea pig films that I, I refuse to watch. I've made... It's not my sort of thing. I know. Yeah. No, I no. think I know the one that you're talking about. It would about. make a boring, very boring film. I think it's the, fir- it's the first one where they've got a woman and they're trying to like put her body through the worst shit that they can put it through. And that's basically the plot is this woman tied to a bed. Yeah. Yeah. There is. Yeah. That probably should have been on the list. <laughs> I feel like it's late. I, I was going to say it was that was nineties, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, was Charlie it? Sheen, oh, okay. Didn't Charlie Sheen see Guinea Pig at some point and rang the? They contacted the FBI because he thought. It was <laughs> yes, he oh, did. God, yeah, yeah. I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the police station the next morning, Detective Pete Thornton consults with the chief of the homicide. Uh, bureau and bureau even ugh, words failing me today uh, about the killings who say it says that the killer follows a pattern of mutilating his victims by removing their limbs and organs uh, Ben do you have the uh, facts about uh, about the police captain I feel like I should but I don't Scott H. Hall um <laughs> The actor originally cast as uh, as the captain didn't show up for filming, but Scott H. Hall, a, a talker for the Ringling Brothers Sideshow, who had also worked for the uh, Billard Brothers Circus in 48 and 49 with David Friedman, uh, mm. stepped into the role. He'd originally been hired for the, for the uh, project in other capacities, but yeah, he just, just walked into the role, and he's so professional, isn't he? He's the best. I mean, yeah. I'd, the fact that he's not a, you know, a, a classically trained actor is a shock to me um <laughs> but given the fact he just shouts most of his lines but you've said that i think the guy who appears later on as a as a lecturer is also one of dave friedman's kind of circus pals who just kind of walked into a role as well um but no i, I actually didn't know that i didn't know that about what was his name scott hall yeah yeah, yeah that's news to me this is uh some of my favorite dialogue in the film this uh the scene know, with the detectives say... wow frank this looks like one of those long, hard Bad ones. ones. <laughs> That's his nudie cutie side coming through again, Thomas Sweetwood. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, 
Did you get the I want every woman in town to hear those broadcasts? No. I thought when he said that, he said, I want every woman in town to hear those broadcasts. I thought she did and she still died. <laughs> <laughs> Just another reason why you and your co-workers are absolutely useless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, elsewhere in town, uh, Dorothy Fremont hires a caterer for uh, a dinner party for her daughter, Suzette. That caterer is, of course, the murderer, Ramses. Uh, and uh, he tells Mrs. Fremont that he will prepare an ancient Egyptian feast for the affair whilst leaning far too close to her face. Yes. Um... This is one of my favourite scenes in the film. <laughs> Because, Dor- for one, Dorothy Fremont is I just, I don't know what it is about her She's as amazing. a character. I just love the fact she, she went into this store, had this bizarre interaction with this blood and thought nothing of it. Yeah, yeah. No, she is absolutely hands down my favourite character. She's so pleased. Because Suzette has an interest in Egyptology. Conveniently. Mm. Why is she dressed like the suffragette mother from Mary Poppins? Because why not? Why is she, like... Just don't question Dorothy Freeman, all right? Edwardian, because <laughs> I will cut this episode short. <laughs> she, oh, she's she's my favorite. She wants Suzette to have a party that will be the talk of the town. But why has she gone back fifty years for her clothes in just this scene? I mean, it's a look. She's serving. She is. She <laughs> is serving. But what is she serving? <laughs> but what is she serving? She's serving suffragette, suffragette realness. <laughs> Which I'm here for, you know, I'm here for it. I love that she uh, she tells him that she needs things ready for two weeks on Saturday, and he's like, oh, I've had it ready for a long time. And she's not like, whoa, hang on a minute. You're going to give her food that you've had ready for a long time. Not just a long time, 5,000 years. 5,000 <laughs> years. And she's like, okay then, well, as long as she's talking to town. <laughs> but he's only got a leg so far. Yeah. So he's not that prepared. No, no. He's a bit overconfident, I think. Well, after she leaves... Sorry, do you think he's been collecting body parts and waiting for someone to need an Egyptian feast? And every time he's looking in the fridge going like, oh, these are going off again. Someone turns up and then Dorothy turns up and he makes his day. Well, let's be clear. His shop is dead. Yeah. It's so quiet. Mrs. Fremont is the only... um, What's the word? Customer that he has throughout the whole film. It's not like people are going around in the background. No. There, there is another guy in the shop as she comes in oh. and walks away from the counter holding a bag of something. Oh, did I miss that? I, I don't bit... know if that's just to be like, you know, there's an extra person in this film. I don't know if that's like a subtle thing that, you know, he's, that there's other people involved. Because he kind of walks away holding this package that looks shifty. I don't, I don't. you know, it might be something that I've tried to add in to make it a bit creepier. But I, I feel like it was just... He's on the screen for about two and a half seconds. I feel like he's just shocked <laughs> there was another person in this film. After uh, after Dorothy leaves, uh, he goes back to a uh, to a back room where he has enshrined a statue of the goddess Ishtar. He's basically any gay with their favorite C list female celebrity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, ben, do you have a favorite C list female celebrity? Well, there isn't Ishtar. That isn't Ishtar. <laughs> no, it's a shame you've asked me that because I do have my full-size Ishtar in the corner of the room. <laughs> got mannequin spray-painted gold with some face paint on and a purple cloth behind her. Um, but no, I can. T- I, it's a mood, isn't it? That little grot. It is. Played by Kim Cattrall. Kim Cattrall. <laughs> <laughs> 
Chris, who's your favourite C-list celebrity? C-list, well, well, we love Mimsy, don't we? Mimsy Farmer. Mimsy Farmer. Oh, I love Mimsy Farmer. <laughs> love Mimsy Farmer. Mimsy. Um, yeah. Have you seen the perfume of the lady in black? No. Not yet, no. That's no. a mind-blowing film. That's the best film she was ever in, I'm going to say it. Better than Four Flies on Grey Velvet? More... I find it more memorable than Four Flies on Grey Velvet. Ah. The, the ending of that film, I was like, what the fuck is this? And we probably have it. I don't think we have it, no, it is on the Italian collection. It is, yeah, we, we are. slipcover version. Oh, nice. <laughs> Which is costing me a lot more money than it's worth, but yeah. No, <laughs> I don't care too much for slipcovers. Oh, that's a joke. That's, 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 that's a joke. <laughs> that's a joke. We love slipcovers in this house. That was a joke. <laughs> Just spent 120 quid on one of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, if I was to have a statue uh, and a shrine in this house, uh, it would absolutely be Wendy James. Wendy James. From, from Transmission Family. Yeah, Family. that's more singing. Yeah. She was never in a film, was she? Sadly not. Sadly no, not. no. Um, Ramses is preparing, <laughs> dying to get a Wendy James name drop in his podcast I for know. ages. Ramses, <laughs> Ramses is preparing a blood feast. A stew made from his victim's blood and body parts intended to resurrect Ishtar. Uh, everyone in town's reading the local the newspaper, aren't they? What's it say on the front in huge letters? Legs cut off. <laughs> Straight to the point. Getting the message out there. Yes. Um, Ishtar, I read, was Babylonian, not Egyptian. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Maybe they were fans of the Warren Beatty film. Yeah. You, you mean to tell me that this film wasn't well researched? No, <laughs> no. Apparently, apparently, according, I, according to my sources, um, the streets the place to go. Uh, no, um, Ishtar was Babylonian, and they knew it was Babylonian, mm. but they were like, "Nah, sounds good." So we'll just keep using it. <sighs> who's gonna? Who's you know? Wikipedia don't exist. There's no they didn't know. They didn't know how to make Mal Arnold look Babylonian, so they just went with Egyptian. No randomer on Reddit is going to do a whole post about how Ishtar's incorrect. Let's just go for it. Fuck St. Louise down. Fuck you now. It's all Louise's fault. Apparently uh, she was lovely. We're giving her such a hard time. I know. <laughs> Um, later that day, Thornton tells the chief that he interviewed the latest victim's uh, acquaintances and that she was a member of a book club. Oh, my God. Beauty and intelligence. Yeah. Incredible. Book club and looking that gorgeous. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Groundbreaking. The thing is, like that, uh, he seems to hang on to this book club idea, even though yeah. it has, at that point, no relevance at all. From what I remember. Because obviously... No. There's the, there's the book that um, Fuad Ramsey's written, but that doesn't come into play yet. No. And he just kind of, he hears the book club part and he just hangs on to it through the whole film. He's like, yeah, there's yeah. one thing that I just can't make fit. Fucking let it go. <laughs> it's also, the book club that I know, they would read like Pride and Prejudice or something, <laughs> or Wuthering mm. Heights. Not like ancient, what, what's it called? <laughs> ancient religious rites. <laughs> rather niche for a book club like, it's not even an egyptian book club it's it's the book club you maybe, know, they, the... maybe it's just been established for that long that they've gone through all the good books and now they're yeah, yeah. The bottom of the barrel 
yeah, it's it's not quite Oprah's book club. Oprah took no. all the good ones, and now they're stuck with <laughs> the niche titles. <laughs> and that evening, teenagers Tony and Marcy are making out on a nearby bench. Beach, not bench. Bench. It's a beach, just to confirm. Marcy isn't feeling it because of all the murders, but Tony thinks she shouldn't worry because her parents know she's in good hands. Well, Tony, if you're acting in a few scenes' time, if this is anything to go by, she probably should be worried. Question. Mm. Teenagers? <laughs> There's no one even close to being a teenager. No. 60s <laughs> teenagers. The thing is, I mean, I quite like this scene on the beach. Um, because It's got a weird kind of slasher foreshadowing to it. This whole, yeah. like, the guy who's trying to sort of... Force a woman into sex sounds a bit grim, but like you know, he's been a little bit pushy with her, yeah. And they pay the price for it. That kind of came into play in like the Friday the 13th things. I'm not saying it was an influence, but re watching it today it just kind of hit me that this is something that would go on to be quite a trend. It's That's a very good point, actually. I, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I didn't think of it that way. That's that's a very good yeah. point. Yeah, and we quite like the the beach party horror films as, yeah. as well, and it was quite in, sort of related to that. But yeah, no, that, that's because he says at one point, isn't it like if if you liked me or, or he kind of emotionally blackmails yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, ultimately, she's the one that's punished. He just. <laughs> I don't know what happens We're to punished. We're punished watching his fucking <laughs> acting. But the thing is, I mean, she gives a fucking good scream. She does. She's yeah. the scream of the film. Yeah. Uh, Ramses arrives, knocks Tony unconscious, and removes Marcy's brain from her skull and shows it to the screen. Practical effects in this film. I can't make my mind up if I think they're good or not, because I enjoy a lot of the cheaper, cheesy-looking practical effects. So I feel like that's kind of playing a part into why I like them so much. Do we think they're good practical effects? I think considering the time and considering what they were working with, they're a lot better than they ought to be. Yeah. Mm. Particularly yeah. The, the leg at the start, I think, yeah, yeah. really quite real. Well, I don't know what a severed leg would look like, but in my mind, that's not far off. Um, <laughs> well, I've got one around there, I'll show you. <laughs> there's only a couple of bits that maybe fall flat, but again, like the, the brain on the beach is... It does what it's supposed to do. It is quite repulsive. Yeah. I did think it looked like someone dropped a meatloaf with a lot of ketchup <laughs> on her head. And poor Marcy, she didn't have much brain, did she? He wasn't, wasn't taking a lot. a lot of brain away no. with it. He looked absolutely human <laughs> when he picked that brain up. It's what I imagine a brain would be. It's like A brain, you know? I'm, I'm assuming relative to the size of people's heads. I've seen brains at, you know, museums and such. That was... Mm. She didn't have much. She didn't. Poor she Marcy. Didn't. Poor, poor Marcy. Um, the next scene, we get to see Tony's fantastic acting. Uh, it's all my fault. Oh, it's all my fault. <laughs> Do you know something, right? As much as the acting in this film leaves a lot to be desired, at least it's not from people who aren't afraid to go too far. That's true. That's true. <laughs> he, he is giving it everything. And the parents in the next scene are also giving it everything. And I think... <sighs> That's. It might not be good acting, but at least it's entertaining. I feel like when people underact, that when it that's when it kind of gets boring. But at least yeah, you no, can have a good time with it. Yeah, it's so melodramatic. And to that's a exactly, certain degree. I mean, if like you had, stagey. if every scene where someone was quote, 
I think he should have been in every scene. I I I think he should have been in every scene. It sounded like his remix. (laughs) What's that TikTok with the in white clubs? The remixes. Um, I like it. It's 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 very Michelle Visage. Club club remix. It's better to be told to turn it down rather than turn it up. But I yeah. just think someone forgot to tell him to turn it down a little bit. Do you know yeah. another, another thing as well in this scene that... Because Herschel Gordon-Lewis was adamant that he was never an artist. He was just a businessman who was doing things to make money. And that's why his films never look that interesting. They're always just like static camera, front lit. But there's little bits in it that make me think he did care because there's a really good transition between you see the girl's brain on the beach and then it fades into the red light of the yeah the police car and it it's it's a it's a clever little transition and obviously thought's gone into it which makes me think that he cared more than he said he did. It's yeah, like absolutely. If you, look, if you look at a film he did later on called Taste of Taste of Blood, the it's a it's a vampire film. Yeah, arguably the best film he ever did. It's like it's like two hours long. And that's a film that's, for the budget he was working with, is quite a stylish little film. Like, there's some interesting lighting going on, and it it just it makes me think that he, because he was so into his advertising and his business, he might have seen that filmmaking as kind of a lesser career, so he was less sort of willing to identify with it. But I feel like he did care. I think so. I I really like the cinematography in Blood, in Blood Feast. Mm. It kind of reminds me of The Blob. Uh, the, the original yes. blob, and and that to me that's really amusing because it kind of sets up that as because you see the, the cinematography you know it looks great as soon as the film starts and it kind of sets up for being that typical you know 50s 60s B movie type film so as soon as the gore's introduced it must have been really jarring back then because it yeah. looks like any other B movie from around that time and also I feel like the gore adds to the cinematography as well like I love the color of it it's really just ridiculously over the top red and yeah yeah and I think it looks fantastic yeah no I, I completely agree I, I think it's also very similar to William Castle because William Castle kind of was you know um, a businessman movies were a business uh but he was a showman as well and i think that does come through too you know you are doing it for the money but you know you, you gotta have something to sell yeah you gotta have some substance there i you think know, there could, has you, to be you could always tell that william castle absolutely loved making films yeah he was always so enthusiastic about it and as much i mean herschel gordon lewis comes across as like a legitimately really interesting bloke he's one of them people i could listen talk to forever um, listen to talk forever rather but yeah I'd, like I say I just never seemed to show the same level of enthusiasm but like I say I think it probably was there yeah yeah I think so uh, Thornton and the chief arrive on the scene but are unable to get any information uh, from, from Tony so they later question Marcy's mother Mm-hmm. who is Wait. serving despite being so upset and uh, and she she reveals that Marcy belonged to a book club but it, it it's the fact that she showed up her hat is covered in jewels she's wearing a great pink number she's got a white gloves on she, you know she's so upset but she took the time to dress up and, and go to the police station just because you're grieving doesn't mean you can't look good exactly, exactly. exactly. she was interrupted at church she dressed for church and um marcy's mother and tony 
fun little fact. Same acting teacher. It's incredible. They really? took the same acting classes. Yeah, yeah, I think it shows. <laughs> I, I, are you all right? Are you joking? Because I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> they're very both, specific. They're both fact. in the same school of acting. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> did you know? To, just to briefly bring it back to Renee Harmon, did you know that she was an acting teacher? Oh, yes, yes, we do, and we know that she taught a lesson on how to write fucking films. She the same person, yeah, the same the person who made Lady Street Fighter taught people how to make films. Imagine I, if, you'd signed, oh. if you'd signed up to that class and you thought, hmm, I'm going to look into this woman's work and you looked at it and you thought, <laughs> like, I've paid money for this. I, I love it. I, I'd have gone to that class just, oh, just yeah. to be in her presence. You know, I just... Uh, I'd have taken I, my VHS copy of Frozen Scream and asked her to sign it. <laughs> I, yeah, I think we need to do a Rene Harmon episode. I know we've done Lady Street Fire, but, you know, we could do Revenge. She didn't do too many films, did she? She was of a certain age before she made her first film. She's a quick. She was of a certain age, and she wrote herself as an an action hero multiple times. And it it worked. She was in Cinderella 2000, which is that Al Adamson film. (laughs) I know of that, but, yeah, I, I don't think she was too prolific with movies, which is a shame. It is a shame. It is. One of my favourite pieces of dialogue from this scene from Marcy's dad. Uh, he says, Marcy was a good girl. She would have wanted us to help catch the killer. <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. Of course she would have wanted you to help she catch the murderer. She loves a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> she was such She's a always good in that girl. book club hoping for a murder mystery every week. <laughs> yeah. And she keeps getting these fucking Egyptian books all the time, you know. Um, sometime later, Ramses stakes out a motel where a couple of uh, a drunk stumble up to their room, complete with some wonderful. Now, now I said I love the cinematography in this film, apart from this scene with the shitty day for night shooting that just day for night always gets horrendous. Regardless of budget, you could just fucking wait a couple of hours until yeah. it's night time and put a light on. <laughs> I agree. Um, yeah, he knocks on the woman's door whilst her dick appointment is away. And uh, attacks her when she answers, ripping out her tongue uh, as another ingredient for his blood feast. Yeah, I don't really understand. So why did the sailor piss off? Um, What was he getting? Condoms? More booze? Plot purposes. Plot purposes, okay. Mm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. He let him in. He let him in. He was in with it. She uh, and I did think it was quite impressive because you don't actually see because obviously she still has a tongue. Yeah. And I'm assuming they've used some sort of animal tongue. Um the cow holding, tongue. Cow, cow tongue. Cow tongue. Because it is fucking huge. Yeah. It's a huge tongue. It's a huge mouth. It, yeah. Yeah. But still, it's still quite big <laughs> for a, for a human mouth. It is a grisly scene, you know, the blood in her mouth and you you don't see her real tongue. There's no, there's no goof there. They filled the mouth with jam. Oh, nice. That's oh. A, but a, according to, um, I think it was Lewis said that that was the one scene that got everybody. He was like, you know, people have been laughing and chattering long, and then as soon as the tongue scene came on, everyone mm. went quiet. Yeah, and it is. It's not, a great it's, not scene. Even, it's not even my favorite moment in the film, but I, I get why because it's like you think, oh, well, it's not going to show it, and then it does. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And it yeah. goes. There. Yeah, no, it it is a great scene, and and her big mouth will forever impress me. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Dorothy gives us, speaking of impressive, Dorothy gives us some great line delivery. Uh, <laughs> oh, Suzette, your party plans are underway. The caterer is a great idea. Aren't you excited? Yes, mother, of course. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, uh, Suzette's so excited about a party. Um, well, she isn't, no, she, she isn't. That's a lie. She's not excited because of all the murders. Yeah, which it, I, it's understandable. It is understandable. You're in a, a town, there's a lot of murders going on. Um, your mother could not give two shits she, about Yeah, she might as well say murders. who gives a shit. She like, doesn't yeah. care. I would start <laughs> suspecting my mother. She was so cold-hearted <laughs> yeah. about the whole thing. I'm like, is she doing it? Because she could not care less about these murdered women. Yeah, she... Uh... Yeah, she doesn't care. She's just too excited about the party. Calling up her friends, making sure they're still coming. Yeah, yeah. Still alive. At the local university, Suzette attends an Egyptian studies lecture with her boyfriend, Detective Thornton. Now, this was a gag, wasn't it? Detective Thornton is uh, Suzette's boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we don't see Suzette's father anywhere, do we? Are you trying to say he's her dad? I'm thinking what the daddy fuck? issues. Um, she, she that's why she's gone for a man the 40 years her senior. <laughs> yeah, did anyone get it? Did anyone get the age difference? Are you saying if I noticed it or if I know anything? No, oh, in, no, in, in numbers. Specific in numbers. numbers. <laughs> so, um, Connie, Connie Mason, how old was... <laughs> how old was Connie Mason? Let's, let's do some maths. So when was this released? 1963? 1963. Shall so we guess? Shall we, shall we have a little bet? I bet 21 years. So Connie Mason was born in 1937, which would make her what? 1963 minus 1937. So she was 26. 26. No fucking way. I know the answer and this is ridiculous. There's Bill no Kerwin way. Born, Bill Kerwin was born in 1927. 10? Yeah, there's no way. Is that it? How he, is that? He's 36. <laughs> Suddenly, I feel better about being in my 30s. <laughs> Fuck me. Oh, my God. How is there only a 10-year gap? Wow. I, I was genuinely about to guess 30 years. Yeah, I thought like, 20. Because he I gets older in every scene. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's not even that's not even bad. Like, that's... It's just unfortunate for poor, uh, for the poor detective that aged terribly. Because yeah, she, she looks 26. She, she oh looks, yeah, she looks she younger. Looks 26. She looks, she looks, I think yeah. she looks younger than 26. Yeah, yeah, she, she's doing well for herself. Um, poor, poor Pete, though. He's uh, had a rough life. The, I, uh, honestly, I would have guessed that he was nearing 50. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Listen to us speaking ill of the dead. We, God, <laughs> God bless you. We apologise. Yeah. God, God bless you. You, you had a tough time. You had a tough time. Rest in peace. Um, unless, unless you think he did what Anastasia did. Do you think he lied about his age? Could have. Back in that day, you know, it wasn't. No, actually, no, no. He's, he's a white man in Hollywood. He, he wouldn't. It wouldn't matter. He wouldn't matter. He wouldn't to. Matter. He's he just didn't fine. Need to. The, the lecturer, Doctor Flanders, uh, tells them about the pharaohs Ramses uh, the first and the second. And the court of Ishtar that thrived during their rule, their rule five thousand years prior. That's that's a useful bit of information, isn't it? Yeah, that'll come in handy. I feel. He describes a ritual in which women were sacrificed to the goddess on an altar. Wow. Their body parts prepared and served as dishes in the feast. This was said to cause Ishtar. 
be reborn. Ooh. That's very, very specific. Very on the nose. <laughs> this is what we call the expedi- exposition dump. <laughs> um, do you know what? I feel as though, and this might be wrong, I feel as though they filmed this scene as just the guy talking, then they realised how long it went on for and realised that they needed some gore in the middle of it. Yeah. So they yeah. cut in the extra, because it looks very added in. Yeah. Of just a woman on a table with like a red splodge on her chest. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, and and I I quite like it. it. It's it's a little hokey. It kind of reminds me of when Sabrina went into the uh, over realm in Sabrina the Teenage Witch. That like um, foggy background and shit. No, okay. Uh... <laughs> I mean, I, I'm absolutely gobsmacked that we've managed to make a link there. Um... <laughs> the lecture is. Was it Jerome Eden who played the the guy who stabs her? May have been, may have been. I'm I'm led to believe that he got that part because he was the only one who who'd hold the snake. Oh, okay. And I believe it was the same snake that appeared on the beach inexplicably when the woman had it. Oh been. yeah, random snakes. <laughs> yeah, I've just looked at my notes and saw snake question mark. I thought ah, we neglected to mention the snake, so we've got it in. But yeah, I believe that's why he got that part. But he was another one who was in loads of Lewis movies. He was in Two Thousand Maniacs, and I think he was in quite a lot of the nudie ones as well because he wasn't afraid to get his kit off. From my understanding, we we may have to watch these. <laughs> I wasn't afraid to handle a snake. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's connotations there. But <laughs> do, do you know? What? I have to admit, as much as I have worked my way through the Lewis set, I look at clips from those kind of Adventures of Lucky Pierre and um, Daughter of the Sun and all the early films they did, and I just think they look too bad to enjoy. Yeah, yeah. What was the, the one we watched? Scum of the Earth. Scum of the Earth. We, yeah, we did like Scum of the Earth. Do you know, actually, Scum of the Earth was one of the ones that I didn't mind. It's just the, the nudie cutie ones in particular. Just There's very little appeal for me there. Like, at least with the, the the horror films, you know, being a horror fan, there's kind of the splatter value. Whereas that, it's yeah. like sort of PG educational film with a couple of <laughs> boobs wobbling about on a bloody <laughs> nudie. Just, I don't know how they managed to make so many films on based on that premise. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, there are suppose, so many. I suppose with horror films, and it's something Lewis did, it, what you're looking for is the gore. It's, yeah. The horror is in the gore. So there's different ways of getting to that part where someone is killed. And, you know, stuff like 2000 Maniacs, quite elaborate, you know, uh, Wizard of Gore, quite elaborate set pieces. Yeah. Like how elaborate can you get when the payoff is a lady taking off her clothes? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, no, I understand. They're probably really boring. Uh, Thornton and Suzette go on a romantic drive. Um, Just just going back to the lecture, just uh, briefly, what did you think to the hideous wallpaper, which I assume was wallpaper, <laughs> of those hieroglyphics, and then the um, the masks on the wall with, like... <laughs> what was it underneath? Was it Ramsey's underneath Ram- one of them? And then the, the the female one didn't need naming. I'm assuming that yeah. was meant to be a star. <laughs> I think I think that scene was shot in the reception of the motel where they were staying. Okay. Because the yeah. do you know the the scene where the woman the tongue scene where they're walking up the steps that whole motel yeah where the crew was staying it was called the Suez Motel kind of an Egyptian theme anyway. The Sphinx and the Pyramid in the opening credits were the statue that was outside of the motel. 
And oh. the bit where Connie Mason opens up the paper and it says legs cut off, she's out and you can see it says Suez Motel on the little door next to her. But I think that was actually the wallpaper in the reception. And that's just where they decided to shoot it because it looked really Egyptian. Yeah, I'm just thinking that's quite a boring lecture. Mm. <laughs> I mean, the lectures I've been to, there's a whiteboard, you know, there's something, there's like a, um, oh, what's the old school thing? Projector. Projector <laughs> old school being image. projector. It's, it's, it's old school. <laughs> You well, know, you said it. Thomas Sweet would seem pretty interested when he was talking about virgin girls. Well, so. Yeah, it would, be, it, would be a, it would be a little bit. He's just a man reading off a piece of paper, isn't it, mm. really? Yeah. Which is why we don't film our podcast. Yeah, which is why we're audio only. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thornton takes Susan on a romantic drive and he says, now that I've got you all on your own, I don't know what to do, but I think I've got an idea. <laughs> Red flag. Big red flag. Also, when she says, do you think we should park here? Do you think it's safe? And he says, on second thought, you might be safer with the killer than you are with me. <laughs> That's a police right. officer talking. That's a police officer talking. Walk home, Connie. Walk home. <laughs> yeah, he goes in for a kiss. She wants to take it slower. Uh, but then he tells her that he's a better policeman than a public speaker. And she's like, oh, fuck it, I'm definitely going for this then. And then she gives him I a wish, kiss. I wish we'd seen him do public speaking, because Christ alive, he's not exactly <laughs> the best person. <laughs> it's very true, it's very true. So Suzette's mother and her boyfriend are giving off red flags. Yeah. And she, well, she's completely unaware of any of okay, them. Okay, okay, I don't mean to jump ahead, but Ramsey's literally puts her on a fucking <laughs> yes. table yeah. later in the film and she doesn't think anything's up. It's true. He it's prepares true. her for a meal and, for, and she doesn't think anything's up. I, I don't think she's the brightest spark, bless her. No. Uh, the people question... that she's surrounded herself with, if Ramesses bumped into her, <laughs> yeah. she's like, oh, thank fuck, someone's there. <laughs> <laughs> there was... me more. <laughs> Why is this grown-ass man parking in the middle of the road so he can get a bit frisky? Like why this police officer? But yeah, but the the idea, yeah, grown ass man. You yeah. know, the idea is that it's got a full job. Teens do this because teens don't own their own property. Yeah, mm-hmm. this man should own his own property yeah. and invite her back for a little snuggle on the I couch. Don't know. He might be into outdoor stuff. Might get him going. Well, well, yeah, it's, yeah. Well, judging by the films he was in before this, he's definitely into the outdoor stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he's not a public speaker, but he's a public <laughs> shagger. <laughs> if this wasn't an... <laughs> That's on uh, Thomas Sweetwood's uh, epitaph, I believe. <laughs> yeah. I- I'm almost tempted to call this episode Public Shagger. Thank you. Shagger. Um the the radio informs them that a victim has been found near death and taken to a hospital. <gasps> For <Yeah. death. laughs> Thornton drives Suzette home and rushes there and he says I better get going honey they might need me down at the station and she's like oh Pete like, yeah yeah, he's gotta go to fucking work what's your issue I know yeah she's talking to her mother going yeah, I can't settle with all these these killings going. and then the second he has to do his job she's whinging about it uh, the victim identified as the queen Janet Blake Janet Blake is the highlight of the film for me I love Janet Blake she is having an orgasm <laughs> this is, entire time she is, <laughs> she is having the time of her life but, in oh, eater. oh eater like the whole time she is having an orgasm <laughs> and it's so good that she fucking dies from it's it so good. <laughs> she, she's definitely had a bit of a public shagger 
And, and then, but do you know what? Sometimes when like singers on stage will wear sunglasses yeah. to sort of make them more confident. But yeah. his whole fucking head was in bandages. Do you know what I mean? Let's ham it up. Let's have. Yeah, she gives she gives performance of a lifetime. She was hoping that she'd be cast in one of his uh, nudie films. Clearly, um, and it's followed by some of my favourite dialogue of the film, where. <laughs> Pete says they thought she was dead. It's a miracle she wasn't. And Frank says, "Well, she is now." She is now. <laughs> Thank you. I'm good. She's dead. Very. Imagine if her and Tony shared a scene. Yes. Oh, yes. Wow. And then I throw Dorothy into the mix as well, and that that would be quite a scene, wouldn't it? So is Etar. Janet mishearing Ishtar. I think so. Okay. Because it's never explained what Etar was. <laughs> also, the doctor says it's one of the worst cases he's ever seen. <laughs> Where he's literally having limbless people <laughs> thrown at him <laughs> on a daily basis. And her, in her bandages, <laughs> giving herself a treat under the sheets. It's one of the worst <laughs> cases he's ever seen. <laughs> I'll be honest. I never. I'm, uh, next time I watch it, I'm going to appreciate this scene a lot more. <laughs> to me, this was always just filler, but now I've got all this stuff in the back of my head. Hey, the mix of sex and death. So much more entertaining. The mix of sex and death. This is the scene that got on the video nasties list. Yeah, yeah. It's just her noises. Shouting e and they were like, "No, we can't have this." The brains on the beach and the leg cut off in the bath was fine. But this is too much. <laughs> Janet Blake was a step too she far. Was. Susan and her friends, Trudy and Nancy, are slain by the pool. Um, we shot of them for far too long just in the pool. Desperately trying not to get their hair wet. Yeah. Like, they literally <laughs> just had that beehive done. They are not getting that wet for anyone. They're, they're really excited for the party, aren't they? Yeah, so the last scene, we discussed how Susan really wasn't that excited for the party because of all the murders. But now that someone else has been found and just died... Whilst having an orgasm, suddenly she's excited for the party. Like, now that like, bitch, that to me too? <laughs> that bitch Janet Blake, she ain't coming anymore. <laughs> now I can really look forward to it. Do you reckon Dorothy's got a list and she's just gone for fuck's sake every time someone dies, <laughs> yeah. just crossing people off. Well, what makes me laugh about this is that Suzette, she doesn't have, know a thing about the party. She doesn't know a thing. It's a surprise, right? And she's there like, I don't know. I think it might be an Egyptian feast. Well, that's a very good fucking guess. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that, that's uh, a great guess, and it, that's all it does, really. That scene, isn't it? No, Trudy, isn't it? So, Trudy Sanders has yeah. requested ancient weird religious yes. rites, yes. So, she pisses off. I don't know where she where does she piss off to? Well, I don't know. She's like, I don't know for you, bitches. I'm going, she does, I'm, she does say, but I can't remember. But just before we move on from this scene, can we talk about the shadow? Do you know what I'm referring oh, to? Oh, when Suzette's doing a playmate of the month by he, the Fuad, side of the so pool. They're knocking around the pool. Fuad Ramesses turns up, makes a sinister shadow over Suzette, and then fucks off. <laughs> <laughs> That's his involvement. You literally see a shot of him limping away, and then no more is said about it. I couldn't let us move on without mentioning the shadow. <laughs> Scariest moment in the film. I mean, if she did see him, she still would have been like, oh, hi, you look nice. <laughs> yeah. 
you oh, look it's like you. Tall man I could go out with. <laughs> Why don't you join us in the pool? <laughs> no, um, browser washout. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But he, I mean, he is a type. Looks like he's in his sixties, actually in his thirties. Yeah, that's yeah. very true. Um, Ramses receives a letter from Trudy requesting a copy of Ancient Weird Religious Rites that he advertised in the newspaper. Um, but instead of just giving her the book, he kidnaps her that evening. And the next day, she awakens in his back room. So, is she kidnapped? <laughs> so, th- this confuses me a little bit. Because she pisses off from the pool party Yeah. Um, during the day. I mean, the, a shadow is cast yeah. on Suzette. But seemingly, she is kidnapped in some random suburban area during day for night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what the fuck has she been doing? Uh, Getting the steps in. Just, but she's just been going around the houses. And then what, what's Ramsey's been doing during this time? Just going around the house. Like how the whole idea is that he knew she would be at Suzette's. Yeah. Didn't he? Yeah. 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 So he had called up. Oh, is Trudy there? Um, Good impression. And so he went to Suzette's because of that. Mm-hmm. She pisses off. Yeah. So is he just following her for the whole day? <laughs> Limping like around following the whole day. Behind her. <laughs> and she's funny getting about, a manicure. And a... The, scene, the scene where he actually comes out and hits her. Yeah. It's sort of like, because you're looking at her, it looks like he comes from nowhere. But once you know what's coming, he's in shot the whole time. Yeah. And he's clearly waiting for you to walk out. Like you could see his legs behind the tree just stood still. <laughs> and then he suddenly starts running towards her. Is that meant to be night time? Yes. Yeah. yeah, okay. So so the radio was true in the end. Finally, well, yeah. someone shouldn't well, have she been alone at night. She, she no. Lengthy scenic walk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, this is a really brutal scene, and, and not particularly for the gore. Like, he's just, he's just there uh, whipping her for so long, and whilst collecting her blood in, uh, in a silver chalice. Yeah, yeah. So the 2001 Tartan Video UK DVD release was cut by the BBFC to remove 23 seconds of these shots. Yeah. So I think this is, in terms of what they... I think a lot of the video nasties, the issues they had, maybe not particularly at the time, but afterwards, is where kind of sex and violence are together. Yeah. Yeah. So this her Frank's being Janet Blake. her being topless and getting whipped, it's kind of that sex and violence. It walks a thin line, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, like Ma- yeah. Oh God, yeah. Sadomasochism. They, they they did not enjoy that at all, did they? No. Um, although they probably did. <laughs> <laughs> but, just... but they just thought no one else could possibly. Yes, yeah. so they were allowed. <laughs> Um, Suzette somehow knows all about her party now. I mean, I mean, when I say knows about it, she knows every fucking detail about her party. Yeah, mm-hmm. the cat's out the bag. She informs uh, Thornton that Ramses will be catering the party and serving an authentic Egyptian feast in honor of Ishtar. Um, <laughs> this leads to uh, good old Pete just sitting there like Ishtar, Ishtar. Ishtar, he just keeps repeating it over and over again <laughs> before he realises eventually, a few hours later, that it sounds like Itar. <laughs> this, this, the whole thing of him understanding the Ishtar reference is so... I mean, 
it's not a film that's based in any sort of reality, but it's no. just so far-fetched, the idea that he it just so happened to be at this Egyptian lecture where they just so happened to be talking about Ishtar. <laughs> I mean, it worked well for him, because at least he sort of figured out who it was, but it was too late when he did. Yeah, yeah. He calls Dr. Flanders uh, and learns that Ramses is the author of everyone's favourite book, Ancient Weird Religious Rites. Um, and, <laughs> and he decides that Ramses is the killer. So he races to Ramses' store where they discover the Ishtar Shrine, Trudy's body and other human remains, oh, no. which then leads them to go to the uh, Fremont house where the party is in full swing. Yeah. Um, too intense for me, the party scene. <laughs> honestly, It's yeah. a bit too petty, if I'm honest. Like, I couldn't hack it. Suza is walking around that party, fucking greeting people like she's some sort of celebrity. She is. Did you enjoy the very slow pan of Trudy's body? Where clearly the poor actress was trying not to <laughs> breathe, but was quite clearly breathing. <laughs> It was quite visibly breathing because that is a long fucking pan it from is. head to Very toe. Slow. Um, the party, there is some serving yeah. going on yeah. from Suzette mm. and her and mother. I mean, gets she is really dressed to the nines. It's amazing. I love it. Nancy is there for a very specific reason. Long distance phone call. With Nancy is there. She's gone to her friend's fucking party just to use her phone. Just because she has to make the call. She has to. There's no overture. She has to make the call because she's calling her boyfriend long distance. Her boyfriend, who's spoiler alert, just hangs up on her in about five minutes. <laughs> That's the equivalent of going to someone's house now and asking for asking what the Wi-Fi password yeah. is straight away. <laughs> <laughs> Ramsey's like he arrives and he's like, "Oh, I have to take you, Suzette, to make the feast more authentic." The whole time, Nancy's still in the background on the phone to her boyfriend. It's true. It's true. I love the idea that Suzette's at this party, chatting away, and everyone's going, "Sorry, are you the um? Have I read about you in 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 Playboy at all?" <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You should mention that. That's what the talking point of the evening's going to be. Nancy's like, guess whose phone I'm using? Yeah, she's fucking <laughs> Playboy. It's Connie motherfucking Mason. <laughs> Apparently she's quite active on Facebook now, Connie Mason. Oh. I, I'm really tempted to message her and see. But I, she oh, yeah. doesn't go by Connie Mason anymore. She's married and I can't remember what her name is. We've been nice to her, haven't we? Yeah, we've been nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Give her, give her a link a to this episode. Her, <laughs> yeah, well, she's a queen. Mentioned her having a fucking key in her back. <laughs> I feel like we've been reasonably. Uh, we didn't necessarily it. agree with him. It's no, just, she, you know, it's just a fact. She's, it's just a fact. She's not the she's not the most skilled actress, but anybody else would make this film worse. Yeah, if Helen Mirren was playing Suzette, it would not work. No, no. Um. Yeah, Ramses t- <laughs> takes Suzette to the kitchen. I'm imagining Helen Mirren now, and the <laughs> yeah, Aren't you excited? Yes, mother, of course I am. <laughs> he, he takes Suzette into uh, the kitchen, puts her on the countertop, and uh, tells her to close her eyes and offer a prayer to Ishtar. The whole time, she's like, yeah, seems a bit bored. This, 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 this seems normal. Why is she not connecting the dots? <laughs> why is she not connecting Why is Dorothy like, why is he taking her into the kitchen? 
What's going on? What's going on here? Yeah. It, the thing as well, the best part about this scene is that Ramesses is clearly getting really frustrated with it. Yeah. Every time he goes to do anything, <laughs> she forgets the words to the prayer. She opens her eyes or she sits up and she's like, oh, this is silly. And he has to hide the machete like, behind his back every time she opens her eyes. He's like, will you fucking lay down? <laughs> she's yeah. not deserving of final girl status. I know this is quite a slasher film. Dorothy. But... Dorothy, yeah, yeah, she she does. So I kind of wish, with all due respect, Suzette was maybe killed off. You know what? Technically, Dorothy did the police's job. Yes. She she put yeah, him in the place where they needed him. And stopped mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, queen. he raised his machete to decapitate her. Dorothy enters the room and he flees. Um, when the police arrive, <laughs> they explain the plot to uh, to Dorothy and Suzette, and Dorothy says. Oh dear, the guests will have to eat hamburgers for dinner tonight. <laughs> dear, so, okay, we've got, we've got a segment coming up for um, best dialogue. Yes. Not gonna lie, that is in there. Yeah, yes. it might might be as well. The best line in the film. It's giving, um, you know, the aunt from Sleepaway, Sleepaway Camp. Camp. Yeah, yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> you know, I've never seen Sleepaway Camp. Oh, so good. One of them I yeah. should have seen, but I haven't. Mm, yeah, the uh, the police chase Ramses through a, through a dump, and he climbs into the back of a garbage truck. The unaware truck driver turns on the trash compactor, crushing Ramses. And yes, listeners who haven't seen if you haven't seen this film, that is exactly how this fucking guy dies. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, fun fact. Yeah. Um, this was a direct influence on the end of uh, Halloween Ends. <laughs> Second, I was like, really? God. Jamie Lee Curtis watched Blood Feast and was like, wait, can we have this? Like, how can we have the, a version of this? Okay. Chris. Can you imagine Michael limping across a. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With Thomas Sweetwood running after him. Okay, Chris, this is the second time you've done this now. What? On our Halloween Ends episode, now we assume people know we're going to have spoilers immediately because mm-hmm. that's what we do. And Chris was like, within the first five minutes, oh yeah, Mark Myers was fucking killed at the end. And now you've just done it on this random episode. Halloween Ends is still in cinemas. It's still new. Oh, <laughs> you've just okay. told it what our ends. <laughs> what well, edit it out? <laughs> edit me out, bitch. <laughs> I apologize to anyone who. <laughs> Seemingly has a real interest in horror films and is listening <laughs> to this podcast where we discuss horror films and you haven't been to see probably the biggest horror film <laughs> of the year after, what, five weeks in the cinema? Yeah. I yeah. apologise. Well, I mean, hopefully they'll listen to our episode. If, if you ain't seen it yet, it might not be for you. <laughs> it's a controversial little film. Ooh, it, is. it is. It is. I, we, we spent... Two hours and twenty minutes on our episode. The longest we've ever spent. I know. Spent. I saw that. I saw <laughs> it's that. Ridiculous. Um, just my two cents. I didn't mind it, but yeah. Yes, we we didn't we didn't mind. We we completely tore apart the episode for some reason, but we we didn't mind it. I didn't mind it, but spent two and a half hours kind of saying why I hated it, and it was like it wasn't actually that bad. <laughs> kind of like blood feast. <laughs> I get why I get why people didn't like it, and there's a lot of things I don't like about it. But overall, I feel like it. I was like reasonably happy with it. Yeah, I was thoroughly entertained. Um, 
Thornton explains to the chief how he how he figured out the killer's identity and says Ramsey's Mr. Kett's a list of people who requested his book as potential victims. Um, just women. It's interesting. Like, like, only women why were they just the women? Why were only women interested in this book? Apparently, I... cockballs weren't in the recipe. No, no. <laughs> the detectives return to their headquarters to file a report, and elsewhere, the statue of Ishtar sheds tears of blood. Yes. Um, did you get what the police captain said? What was that? I was waiting for this to be brought up. He died a fitting end for the garbage he was. <laughs> now that is a read. Right that is that is a film. read. I imagine on this when he was reading the script, he was like, "Yes, I've got that." <laughs> and he was like, "How did you figure it out, Thornton?" And he goes on for so long, recounting <laughs> the whole of the film. <laughs> he did, it was completely unnecessary for yeah. him to explain. He or he should have said. What they were all thinking. Well, well, he was the only foreign guy in town. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought maybe we should have knocked on his door first, but okay. And that's Blood Feast. That, my dears, mm-hmm. is Blood Feast. If you can believe it, that is an hour and seven minutes of your time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So fun. So so much fun. It's, it's one of those films where I can't bring myself to rate it low because of how entertaining it is and because there are those genuinely good elements of filmmaking in there and the practical effects that aren't terrible as well and I just can't rate a film with, with a character like Dorothy low no See, you know I feel like we feel the same way about the film but with my rating I felt the opposite I feel like it's as much as I kind of enjoy it it's a film that I can't give a good rating to because it's yeah. just really bad it's entertaining uh, but it's yeah. really bad yeah yeah it's one of those films I kind of look at as a product of its time. Mm. And yeah. in terms of what was happening in 1963. Yeah. Am yeah. I right? Yeah. yeah. 1963. Mm-hmm. In terms of what was happening, I mean, this is groundbreaking. It's, you know, it has the elements of a lot of the films that I've come to love that were directly influenced by a film like this. And, mm-hmm. you know, they might not say I was directly influenced by Blood Feast, but there's a, a like a line, there's a, a lineage of splatter and then and horror and such. So I have to give credit where it's due. It's campers tits. Yeah. You know, and I always I always have to give credit where it's due when it's, sort of, it's camp. By design, I'm not sure, but I love it. <laughs> the thing, it's it's weird though because it's it's seen as like a trendsetter of a film, which it is because obviously mm. it was the first one to go all out on the go. But it again, it it's quite a long time before another film like this was made. It wasn't like yeah. an, an immediate pickup. I feel like it's because people saw the box office returns, but then also saw the bad publicity that it was getting because it was getting really bad press yeah. at the time. And obviously, it was with it being so new and kind of taboo, it was quite controversial. Whereas stuff like the Nudie Cuties picked up pretty much straight away because it was innocent and silly. Yeah. And it was harmless. Whereas this obviously was new ground. So I feel like it was quite a while. There was a couple of other films made around this time that kind of focused on violence. But a lot of them were just linked to people that Lewis knew. Um, There was a film from I think 1966 uh, which I admittedly haven't seen called The Undertaker and His Pals which is apparently quite a violent movie for its time and I don't know if it was made by someone Lewis knew 
or it was just the person who made it kind of directly cited Blood Feast as an influence, but that's one of them. There was a film called uh, Love Goddesses of Blood Island from, I think, 64 or 65. That was directed by Bill Kerwin. And that, oh, okay, was, yeah. that was kind of apparently quite a gory film. Yeah. Um, but it's it's very few and far between. It's only when you get to sort of the late 60s that you really start getting into the kind of Night of the Living Dead visceral stuff. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's weird, though, because it's not to say that it didn't start it, because it obviously did, but it wasn't it didn't pick up as quick as you might expect. Yeah, that, that's a really good point, because I feel like um, with, with other trends, like you said, I, they definitely picked up quicker. Um, I think some of the most well-known splat films are probably 80s. Yeah. Really? Yeah. When you go to splatter, like proper splatter, like over-the-top gore. Mm. Yeah. I suppose there was... We're talking in terms of American films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, so not, I mean, not Italy. Went all out in the 70s. Um, it was but... around this time, the only person who was really making them was Lewis. And even yeah, then, he didn't yeah. make them for long. Like, what? He made 2000 Maniacs after this, Colour Me Blood Red. Mm. What else did he do? Gruesome Twosome, Gore Gore Girls, and Wizard of Gore. Is that all of his splatter films? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it again, it's sort of. He made the initial trilogy, and then it wasn't <clears throat> it wasn't till nineteen sixty seven, I think, that he did the gruesome twosome, because he took a break in the middle to do a couple of other things. I think he did She Devils on Wheels, and did he do just for the hell of it? He definitely did something weird. Um, have you seen how many Lewis films have you seen? We've seen Scum of the Earth, Blood Feast, yes. Two Thousand Maniacs, and Wizard of Gore. Yeah, and I've seen She Devils on Wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he did some really strange stuff yeah. like, in between his, his gore films. <clears throat> he did a, another film, which I often quote as one of the worst films I've ever seen, is, a, is called How to Make a Doll, which is this kind of zany sci-fi comedy that he made in the 60s. Um, but yeah, he, he did a film called Something Weird in the mid-60s, which was about kind of psychic powers and that. But that was a discarded title for Blood Feast, was something weird. Oh, okay. Because he didn't know how... They obviously didn't know what advertising-wise was yeah. like a profitable thing for this film to be called. But yeah, that was a, a title that was thrown around for a while, was something weird. Yeah, we need to watch more of his films. We kind of... <laughs> no, we kind of <laughs> gave up of after Scum of the Earth. Yeah, Scum of the Earth. We were kind of a bit like... We were making our way through, and, and I think Scum of the Earth was so bad, we were like, oh, God. Actually, you know, I think it was... No, it was Scum of the Earth, yeah. Scum of the Earth, yeah. Was, yeah. 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 Yeah, we did the same... What was the one? Sting of Death guy. The guy who did Sting of Death, yeah. William Griffith. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lord. We watched one, and it was... What was it called? Was it The Hooked Generation? It was something like that, and it was, it was really, really racist, wasn't it? That's, I mean, that's yeah. the one... That's one of them that Bill Kerwin was in, because he was also in Whiskey Mountain that Griffith did. Yeah. He was in in another film as well called Impulse that had William Shatner in it that Griffith directed. But he, interestingly, I don't know where I draw the line, because at some point they get so bad that I can't enjoy them. Mm. And Griffith is just past that line. Like, I have a box set, and I think it's got, like, seven of his films in. Yeah. And I've got no... 
sort of urge to rewatch them. Whereas with people like Andy Milligan and Lewis and Norman J. Warren, they're people whose films I will go back to. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, like you say, where I draw the line. There's a set that Severin released of Al Adamson films, but I've never seen an Al Adamson film and I'm worried of spending the money on it and then getting it and it being like one... a repair set where it's just a load of films I've got no interest in. Is that the one you got? Mm, no. 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 Um, what's his name? Spiegler? name Ray Dennis Steckler yes yeah, Steckler that's the one that's we've just purchased that um yeah set. so we don't know much about him but didn't he did the strange mix mixed up zombies like it's a stupid yeah yeah. yeah 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 I, I know very little about him but there's you kind of all thrown in the same pot aren't they these yeah sort of yeah strange filmmakers from that time yeah I get William Griffey and uh and Herschel Gordon Lewis, because of the films we've watched, I get them mixed up. Because Scum of the Earth, I thought was William Graffay, and I thought Hook Generation was Herschel Gordon Lewis. Oh, yeah. Um, very, very similar kind of vibe. Yeah. 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 I mean, Sting of Death, I could I could rewatch that because that was so entertainingly bad. It was it was yeah. so funny. But then his the other ones were just fucking boring. The best Graffay film, in my opinion, is... Is it called Mako? Jaws of Death. Oh, okay. It's again. It's it's bad, but it's a film that was about sharks, and it was before Jaws came out. Yeah. So, which makes it. I mean, it's interesting in a Ahead way. Of its time. But it's yeah. That's another one of them where it's not good, but it's just it walks the line of being quite yeah. fun enough to watch. Should we get to the awards? Oh yes, let's awards go. season. Biggest queen. I mean, come on. Dorothy Freeman, anybody? <laughs> yes. It absolutely. is. It is. Um, I mean, we stand a queen who is so desperate to create a party that's a talk of the town to the point she'll even hire a creepy-looking old man to throw an Egyptian feast. Absolutely. And you've she's got, all you've got for old Maya. Yeah. You've got old Maya, the dedication. She really wanted to give Suzette a good day. And she saved the day. She saved and her she life. Saved the day. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, biggest gasp. So, this, for me... Uh, uh, this was easy to separate between biggest gasp and nastiest moment because there's there's two very different answers here. For me, biggest gasp was uh, Ramses being killed by a random bin man. I, yeah. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. I'd, see, I, again, those two I had a kind of trouble with like because my answer would have been the same for both of them. I put biggest gasp as the tongue scene just because of yeah. the bit that got the audience at the time. Um, and it is probably the most graphic moment in the film as well. But yeah, that's what I put for biggest gasp is the tongue scene. Mine's more of a biggest gay gasp, and it's the absolute slayage at Suzette's birthday party. <laughs> like the <laughs> outfit served, I gasped. I gasped. Yeah. Um, best dialogue a- again. I think we might all have the same one. Yeah. It is of course. I mean, I could I could easily say the entire script. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, it is, of course. Oh, dear. The guests will have to eat hamburgers for dinner tonight. Do you have that as well? Yes. Yeah. But in second place, is he died a fitting end for the garbage he was. <laughs> That's my second place as well. Red to fill. I've also got, as honourable mentions, have you ever had an Egyptian feast? Thank you, like, sting and stare. <laughs> um, and the classic, aren't you excited? Yes, mother, of course I am. But we could have more than three on that one. <laughs> Um, that's camp. I've got Janet Blake's orgasmic speech and death scene. 
Janet Blake is a camp queen, and I'd stand so hard, definitely. Wait, is that For yours? That yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For that one, I've, again, there's a couple of them. Camp moments, this looks like one of those long, hard ones. Get that one in right early at the start. <laughs> um, what's his name? Tony on the beach. Everything happened so fast. We love how over the top and theatrical that was. Um, as well, another thing we didn't mention is when her, the last who died on the beach, her parents are getting um, interviewed by the police. I can't remember what context it is. I've written part of it down, but I can't remember. Is she talking about a dress that her daughter had? And she says, and now she'll never wear it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> a white dress or a major dress, and now she'll never wear it. And again, it's so over the top and stagey yeah. and brilliant. I love that bit. And for nasty- barrier in it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, suppose. Yeah. For nastiest moment, I have Trudy's whipping scene. Just because it's just... Mm. Really jarring, and so much more, so much darker than the rest of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can get that. Yeah, I put the tongue. Yeah, tongue. Well, I put, and I, this is like quite a personal one. Brains on the beach, because it's not the best effect. But I remember when I was first getting into the video nasties, blood feast. The, I mean, for one, the poster is really lurid, and it kind of caught my attention. Yeah. And when I googled it, it was one of the first images that came up was her with all, like the red jam and that all over it. And I, like it just sticks with me, me first seeing that image and being like, that's quite grim for 1963. Yeah. So yeah, just because that stuck with me, I put the murder on the beach. So, our ratings. I feel like this is going to be very different across the board. Yeah. So, for pure entertainment and enjoyment value, um, not for filmmaking, uh, I give it seven pre-death orgasm speeches out of ten. Yeah, um, for similar reasons, I give it six long, hard ones out of ten. <laughs> uh, see, I'm a downer now. I've given it four, seven tongues out of ten. But that's because I've tried to sort of, if I was basing it on being objective and from a filmmaking point, it would be lower than that. It would be like a yeah. two. But yeah. just because it has the odd moment of just brilliant dialogue and, like, like you say, like quite good effects, I've upped it a bit, but I can't. It's not a film that I sort of revisit very often. It's not one of my favourites, so yeah, I've given it a four. And would we say it's a masterpiece, trash to piece, trash or basic? Trash to piece. Yeah, I'd say trash to piece. Yeah. And if our listeners want to check out the film, it's available on Blu-ray, DVD, Shudder, Arrow Player and Video On Demand. And if you enjoy this, I recommend checking out Blood Diner, which is, it feels like a remake. Uh, of this, I think it's a parody sequel, sequel, equal, whatever. Yeah. I prefer it's a better film. It's a much fantastic. better film. Yeah, fantastic. Have you watched Blood Diana? I haven't, but uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis was offered to direct that film. Oh, okay, uh, that makes sense. It, yeah, they, they had to because he apparently wanted too much money. Um, they had to obviously not using but yeah i can get so they got a woman instead yeah they they got jackie (laughs) kong instead and i feel the Um, film's much better for it (laughs) i've put if you enjoy uh blood feast mardi gras massacre because it's the same nice Nice. i just put um i i completely agreed with blood diner but 2000 maniacs yeah yeah lewis again and very similar if you are a fan of Blood Feast, uh, we are on social media. Let us know. We're Horrorcourt Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horrorcourt Trash on Twitter, and Delight Gaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, and GazCruz92 on Twitter. I'm Chris Barker823 on Instagram and Letterboxd. Give us a rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, like and follow, and everything else. Give us a rate on Spotify. 
Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I have been thoroughly impressed by your knowledge on Herschel Gordon-Lewis throughout this entire episode. Thank you. I mean, you know, as Chris said, we love your TikTok and you pretty much do what we do. And you're just hilarious at fantastic at doing it. So Thank you. It's a lot of fun. Uh, where can our listeners find you? So um, I've got a YouTube channel where I, I, I do the odd documentary. I don't upload too often, but that's just under Ben Simpson. Um, TikTok, if you want to watch my video and ask these reviews, it's Ben S. Simpson on there. And then I'm also on Instagram. It's ben.simpson.1998. Perfect. We will be back next week for double episode week. Yeah. 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 You look surprised. <laughs> I'm always surprised when you announce things because I forget. So we'll be back on Tuesday with Dead and Buried featuring Killer Track Podcast. And on Friday, we will be discussing Original versus Remake, The Ghastly Ones and Legacy of Blood. Yes. Perfect way to finish Nasty November. Well, no, because we've got another episode after that, oh, the week sake. after. I forget. <laughs> I need to write stuff down. We're professionals. Yeah. We'll be back same time, same place next week. Bye. Bye.